Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi, I am guessing the title of this episode might seem a little confusing to those who are listening to a podcast for grieving parents because, well, you are listening because you know that you need support. But as I share my thought on this, I think you'll understand why I am talking about it. I have asked Dave to join me on this one because we've had several conversations about this ourselves. And it seems to come up quite often when we're with other perivers. So, Dave, thank you for sitting here with me on the other side of the microphone today. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) My favorite guest. (laughs) Now, there are two different angles of not needing support that I want us to talk about today. First, I want to go in the direction of those who don't even want to start to go to a support group or something like a retreat. Basically, they don't want to go anywhere at all where there are going to be a group of parents who have lost a child. Now, why is that? I think there can be as many reasons as there are people. (laughs) For a lot of people, especially early on, you're still trying to figure out you shouldn't even be at a bereaved parents. This shouldn't be happening to you. So it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that you're now a bereaved parent and going to a support group. Sometimes make that a reality you might not quite be ready for. Right. I mean, we hear parents say it's like they walk in and they feel like I don't belong here. This is not where I belong. I shouldn't belong here. This is this isn't where I belong. (laughs) I haven't really lost a child. This isn't I can't do this. Yeah. And especially early on, and that term early is is very uh, dependent on individuals as well. So we've had parents come to our group at home in Wisconsin. I think of one mom in particular, and she came, I think, twice, and then we didn't see her for months. And then she got a hold of me and said, are you still meeting? I think I'm ready now. So it can. It can be very unnerving and still in survival mode and just feel like I just, I can't do this. I can't be around a bunch of people. Some of it is because I can't listen to everybody else talk about the death of their child. I'm barely hanging on. I don't have the bandwidth to listen to other people talk about the death of their child and losing their child. And I think too, early on, you get a bunch of quote-unquote, helpful Mm. literature from all sorts of people and from the funeral home. And yeah, there's a lot of it can be very helpful, but you're just not ready for it. I remember we got certain things from the funeral home, and I couldn't read that stuff right away. I don't think we've ever read it. (laughs) Uh, I I did read a couple at the beginning, and there was one thing that that hit me really good, but you got to be ready for it. Mm -hmm. And I, I know for me, a lot of you may have already heard me say this, but I had a misconception of what that group was going to be like because Mm -hmm. I felt like the last thing I wanted to do was to be around a bunch of people who were a mess like me because we were just going to sit around and talk about our kids and boo-hoo and cry and I would leave feeling worse than when I went. And so the first time I was ever around a group of bereaved parents, it was a group of moms at a retreat 
in Indiana. I drove like three or four hours to get there. And as soon as I was with these moms, it was a relief. It was totally the opposite of what I thought it was going to be. It was actually a relief to be around a bunch of people who were a mess like me. And I, I could talk about Becca. I could cry without feeling stupid or silly or having to make excuses. I could laugh without feeling guilty because we all were laughing together and had different things. And being able to talk about our kids. And I mean, it just, it was not what I thought it was going to be. And so I think that's another thing maybe is that misconception that we just sit around and talk about our kids and and get all depressed about it. And mm-hmm. that's not, it's not a good support group because that's not support if <laughs> right. that's what's happening. Yeah, just, yeah. Misery loves company, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think from a male perspective, and it's not always this way, but that's why a lot of women find themselves coming to these support groups without their husbands mm-hmm. because they just, that's what they think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. There are other men that we've run across that they were the ones looking for the support for for them yes. and their wife right away. And I can't say whether that's typical or not because it doesn't I'm finding, seem to be. <laughs> I'm seeing I'm finding quite a few that we stumble across that are that way. But that is one of the main reasons I think men stay away is they just that's not what they're into. They just right. and and a lot of us have a hard time dealing with our emotions out loud anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know when we do retreats, you do a really good session on the difference between a man's brain and a women's brain, just how our brains think differently, and then you tie it into grief. And as a whole, it doesn't fit everybody, but as a whole, like you tell us at the retreats, that men tend to only talk to another man if they think they can fix the problem. And we know this is a, isn't a problem that can be fixed. Mm-hmm. And so for us women, we have to talk about it. We just, we have to talk about it or our, we're just going to explode. And so I think it's, I, I do think it's more common for women to need to find a group where they can talk about it. And whereas men, right. it's like, I don't want to sit around and talk about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> but at the same time, I think for, for men that need to talk to other mm-hmm. men about it, that makes it that much more difficult for them yes. because they can't find other men in their situation that are willing to. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. And I think sometimes we're just not ready to talk about it. I mean, it seems odd to just go to a support group and be a fly on a wall, but we do get to a point where we have a need to talk about our child and there's a need to even share because it just seems so unfair and so wrong. It doesn't matter how our child died. And and to be able to share that with other people who get it and can say yes, I mean, it's, and to know that I'm not going crazy, I'm not getting early Alzheimer's. I mean, those kinds of things mm-hmm. are, are very helpful when we can go early in this journey to a support group. I know when I was at a retreat in Texas for moms. I was mom, just oh, going to remind yeah, you of that. <laughs> um, there was a, a mom there who it had been something like two months. I mean, it was like eight weeks. It was ridiculously yeah, early. Very, very we early. were all shocked that she was even there. And one of the things that she shared was that she was so thankful that she came to this retreat that early and she almost didn't come. And her husband almost literally had to pick her up and put her in the car and say, you're going, because she was hitting that really 
starting to go down into that dark suffocating pit after the shock and that, you know, when that really, really hits us and we start taking that nosedive down. And she was so glad that she came. And I had her on the, the group of us moms that shared a, a cabin together. We were on the podcast and she said, if this is early for you, find a retreat, find a support group because she was so glad she did because it helped her to know what was coming, maybe what to expect. And she could talk to other moms who had been on this journey longer than her. And so when she was taking this big dive down, she thought it was just her, but it's not. It's all of us and the forgetfulness and the just all the things that happened to us, even physically. And so she was just so glad that she went early. I know we met someone at our retreat this weekend, and he said, like, within, what, a week or two, he was calling around trying to find they were, I mean, they yeah. just knew they needed help. And so and back at our, our home support group back yes. in Wisconsin, there was there's a mm-hmm. guy that was that way. It's kind of, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we're each on our own journey, but if you are someone that you feel like, I just can't do that, maybe reconsider because I do think the earlier we can connect with other bereavers, I think it really does help strengthen us and encourage us. But you're the only one that's going to know when that time is right. And you can try it, go for two or three times. And if it just isn't working, then pull back for a while. But but go for two or three times because the first time is the roughest. So I would encourage you to, to find some place and Give it a try for two or three times before you pull back and decide, I right. just can't do this right and now. And we're talking specifically groups for bereaved parents, not, yes. not generic grief. Grief, yes, because those are very different. They just don't seem to go as deep, and they just don't seem to. It's just a different loss, I think we can all agree. So the other group I want to talk about who feel they don't need support from other bereavers are those who have attended a support group for a while. But then they quit going. They feel like, I'm done. I don't need this anymore, right? Or at least they feel they've they've gotten to a point where they've healed enough to be functional. Mm-hmm. Not that they're all of a sudden okay. <laughs> right. I mean, they, they know that's not true. And that it never be quite that way when it comes to grieving your child. But mm-hmm. But they know they've gotten to that certain point where they don't necessarily need that kind of ongoing support. Right. And I think the ones, there are some that we've talked to who it's like, I'm doing okay now and I'm not like waking up crying every day. It's not my first thought of the day and my last thought at night. And I can actually go for a few hours and life distracts me where I'm not taking that dive down into darkness. And I feel like when I go to that group, it just brings all of that back that I'm trying to kind of separate myself from and to be able to function and go from functioning to thriving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I I think some parents uh, kind of feel like I, I can't keep moving forward in my healing process and get to a life that's meaningful and purposeful again if I'm always going back to a group that reminds me what I lost. <laughs> Not that we forget and it's, I guess it's kind of hard to explain, especially if you are fresh in this grief. And it's like, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine getting to that point. But it does happen. Mm-hmm. And it's a personality thing too, with when they get to that spot. You know, not, there are some people that, that always will want to continue and, mm-hmm. and be with, with others who get it. Yeah. And 
I, I do believe, I mean, you will get to a point where, like Dave was saying, you don't need emotional support from other perievers. And Dave and I want that for you. We want every single listener not to need for the rest of your life emotional support for your grief and the, the loss of your child. Like I said, to get to a point where you're not just barely surviving, but learning how to live that meaningful life with purpose and, and even happiness and laughter again. And that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do with GPS Hope and why we provide so many resources and ways of support because we want you to get to that point. But I, I think within that, it's important to remember that someone was there for you when you were in that dark, dark place. And what if they weren't? What if someone wasn't there for you? And that's kind of really the springboard for what Dave and I do with GPS Hope is because they're actually, you know, I say I didn't know anyone that lost a child. And there was someone that I knew years ago, and he it's like his kids were my kids' age. And I bumped into him once, and he'd heard about what had happened to Rebecca, and he gave me a phone number, something on a card, and said he and his wife were meeting. And I just, I wasn't ready, <laughs> like I said. And by the time I felt, well, maybe, maybe I should try this, I had lost this little card with his number. And I, so I, I didn't, I didn't have anywhere. I, I mean, I, I started looking for things to get help and books and Facebook pages and you know, checking the hospitals or whatever. And I, I couldn't find any, anyone to help me who had been through this that I could get some hope and support and encouragement from. And so in that place of darkness, I fought my way out and I didn't want anyone to find themselves in that place where they didn't have anyone, they couldn't find anybody to connect with when they were ready to connect with someone who got it and could offer them that lifeline of hope. So we do want you to get to that point where you don't need the emotional support. And yet there are going to be parents coming up behind you who need somebody, right? Yeah. So I, I think that's something to consider. And maybe even if you feel like okay, I've, I've been in this support group for two, three, four, five years. I just, I'm done here. Maybe take a break, but then pray about and consider about returning at a point or not leaving, if you have the grace for that, to be there for others because we, we need that. That's one of the things that we find the most is so many of these support groups around the nation, and, and it doesn't matter who the group is through, whether it's their own group or through... TCF or BPUSA or us or whatever, they find that these groups fluctuate so much because people come for a while and then they just don't come back. And then you don't have anybody who's been on this road longer for the fresh ones that are coming in, newly bereaved parents. Yeah, and I, th I think that is a very important thing that every group needs those people that are willing to stay for those coming behind them. But it does take a certain calling to it does continue that way it does it does and I you know if at all possible I think you know to find ways that we can be there for others and it may not be even in a like staying in a support group it could be just like sending a card or giving a phone call to a parent you find out mm -hmm. about and we hear that a lot as we travel from parents they'll say oh yeah I saw in the paper or something and I reached out to this parent 
just to let them know I've lost a child and, and I'm just here to talk if you need to talk to someone or we can go out for coffee or whatever. And, and we met a couple that were on the other end of that and then we were with them when they got to meet this person. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> that's right. So um, there was a couple that came to our retreat and when their daughter died, there was someone that called them and said, my, my daughter died a few years ago, just like two years before that. And I just wanted you to know I'm here, I, you know, I, to answer questions or just to be with you or whatever. And they talked. They've talked several times, but they'd never met face to face. And then we went to go do a, a ministry time and she came and the couple were there and they got to meet each other for the first time. That was kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, that was cool. So even just being able to reach out to someone to be a lifeline and let them know that you will get through this. It's dark right now, but it is possible. And there are those of us out here uh, that have made it through. And I think that helping others brings even more of a flow of healing to yourself. Definitely. Yeah. So like I said, maybe take a break for a certain t amount of time if you feel like you need it. And then step in as a giver of hope to those who need it behind you. Or even if you step back, maybe find one or two people within the group that you can just go together to, you know, somewhere yeah. for coffee or whatever. Yeah, and, just hang out together. Yeah, you know, just beyond to that. Keep it going in a, in a way, maybe mm -hmm. not quite as formal. Right, exactly. Yeah, we have one mom that, a group of moms, and they just call, okay, let's get together. Who wants to come over tonight? Or, hey, let's go out to such and such restaurant for lunch, and whoever can go, go. And it's just, uh, it's not anything formal. It's not a so-called support group, but obviously they do support each other mm -hmm. uh, just by being together. And I, that's one thing, you know, when, when we started GPS Hope, it was just, we had been asked to start a, a life group in our church for parents who'd lost a, a child. Uh, there were three campuses, and and so we did, and there was at that time just one other couple that came, and we had some really good evenings together and I had to have yeah. a name for this life group for it to be announced. And so in praying about it, somehow this GPS Hope, Grieving Parents Sharing Hope, came up as a name. That was what our little group was called. And it just, from there, God just began doing things. And it became, you know, we had no idea it was going yeah, to be, yeah. be what it was. So there are people that have asked us, that come to us and say, do you have any kind of support groups or can you help us get a group get started? And so we do that. For anyone who's looking for, it's like, I, I need other people, but there's nothing in my area. Mm -hmm. So all you have to do is is get a hold of us. We do have a, a page on our website for support groups. And if you click on support groups, it will it will take you to that page. And it's just like, a, it, we want it to be what your group needs it to be. It's not anything. Right. Every know, one of the groups that's listed there as a GPS Hope Share and Care group have their own flavor. Yes. But they still have that central mm -hmm. core value of a place to be able to be judgment-free. Yes. Kind of a safe place if but, our faith has been shattered. Yeah, but a place yep. where you can share your faith and yes. your struggles with your faith instead mm -hmm. of feeling like you're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> right, right. Yep. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much kind of covering what I wanted to cover today. I know it was kind of a weird title. I don't need support. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, we do all need I'll support in one that. way or another. <laughs> we all we all need support in one way or another, and especially for those of you who are listening. And I'm just 
Dave and I are really honored and blessed, and I say that with all my heart, that we really are thankful and grateful that God has given us the grace to be part of your support system. And uh, we don't take it lightly, and we pray for you, and we love you. You're in our hearts. And as we travel, hopefully we'll be able to meet you. Yes, follow, that's one of our favorite things. Yes, follow <laughs> our itinerary. And as we travel in the Hope Mobile, we just let people know where we are, and we Go out for dinner, lunch, coffee, whatever, yeah. and uh, meet we up. We just did this this past week. Mm-hmm. Met up with somebody who had yes. listened to the podcast and just mm-hmm. happened to see that day that we were going to be within a half an hour of her and met us at Cracker Barrel for a, a, for a supper. meal. Yep, yep. So I guess with that, we will wrap it up. So thank you for joining me, Dave. Thank you for being joined with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> All right. So until next time, I'm sure I'll have him on again sometime. Actually, the next topic I will have him on for will be a little while, but I'm going to have him on with someone else about talking about being an adoptive parent because he's not Becca's biological dad, but he is her dad. So it's an interesting topic. So at some point, we'll have you back for that. Okay. (laughs) All right. Our heart is for those who connect to GPS Hope to become a grieving parent sharing hope themselves and that it will continue through that parent that you give hope to that they will become a grieving parent sharing hope as we all walk out this unwanted journey together. One thing we have done for several years now is to offer a tangible symbol of hope by opening oysters with pearls. I'm not going to go into the story of how that got started. I'll direct you to a web page that will share all that. But it's a way to have something tangible in our hands to remind us of the hope we have that God keeps his promises to take something so horrific as the death of our child and somehow as only he can turn our shattered lives into something of beauty that is still valuable and worth living. This month is Becca's birthday, and she would be turning 40 years old. That is so hard for me to believe. As a way of honoring her and celebrating, we want to do a special Pearls of Hope event, which will be on Wednesday, April 13th, which is her birthday. So from now through the 13th, we are offering a 40% discount on everything in the Pearls of Hope online store, which means any oyster you purchase, no matter how many, and all 12 of the different cage necklaces we have to put your pearl into to wear around your neck. We have both silver plated and sterling silver choices. Be sure to check it all out at gpshope.org pearls. You can read the story behind why we started Pearls of Hope there. You can see some of the pearls that have come out of the oysters we've opened over the years. And there's also a link on that page that will take you to the store to see the different necklaces you can choose from and place your order. When you check out, be sure to use the promo code BECCA40. That's B E C C A and the numbers 40. BECCA40. This pearl that you get will represent the love you have for your child and the hope of who you can become because of that love. With this much of a discount, you might want to consider purchasing more than one as a gift for someone else who also needs a tangible symbol of hope.
on April 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time Zone. So you'll have to figure out based on what time zone you're in. We will go live on Facebook and we'll open the oyster that you purchased while you watch to reveal your pearl and we'll put it in the necklace for you and send it out to you the next day. Even if you don't get an oyster, go ahead and put April 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern on your calendar to watch us open the oysters because it's really fun to see all the different colors and some of the oysters even have more than one pearl in them. This episode comes out on April 5th, which means there's only eight days to get in on this, so don't put it off. I'll put a link to the Pearls of Hope information in the show notes. That's gpshope.org slash pearls. And when you check out, be sure to remember to use the code BECCA40 to get the 40% off discount on everything that you order. Let's go ahead and go on to the birthdays. First of all, I do need to correct one from last week. Miles DiGiantonio was born on March 30th and is forever 20 months old. William Judah was born on April 3rd and is forever 40. Corey Spires was born on April 4th and is forever 28. Greg London was born on April 8th and is forever 34. The birthday of our children will always be a special day for us, and we celebrate the day these children came into the world. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced on the birthday segment, the week of his or her birthday, just go to gpshope.org birthdays, fill out the information, and submit it, and I will be sure to announce your child on our birthday segment. Before wrapping this up, I want to let you know that I will be on the Wisdom app this Saturday, April 9th at 4 o'clock Eastern Time, and I would love to talk to some of you on this topic of getting support from other perivers and maybe why we're hesitant to do so. And I was on earlier last week from last week's episode, and I really haven't had very many of you hop on and talk with me. And so I'll try it for a couple more weeks. I feel like it's just kind of redoing the podcast when no one comes on and talks. So I'll be there, like I said, Saturday, April 9th at 4 o'clock Eastern Time. I would love to have you join me and hit that talk button and talk with me. Many of you listening don't ever see yourself getting to the point of being able to live life again with meaning and purpose, but you can. It is possible. Let me remind you, there is no timeline. Some can start seeing glimmers of hope in the first two or three years, and some can take five or even ten years. I pray that isn't you. I don't want any of you to take that long to see that life can be worth living again while you wait to be reunited with your child. Your life can have meaning and purpose again, and it's not in spite of your child's death, but because of his or her life. You can become a grieving parent sharing hope. So let's keep walking this journey together. And as we do, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.